and now on the world service, exclusively by From Dial Square to Where, it's time for Mesut, Ireland, Discs. Hello and welcome to Mesa Island Discs on From Dial Square to Where. It's back. It's been a bit of a hiatus for the finished show, but we're back with a bang today. Uh, we've got the regular guest, Melvin. How are you, Melvin? Yeah, all right, thanks. After last night, just about. Yeah, fine, thanks. <laughs> we had to get that in there somewhere, didn't we? And there's a very special guest, Tom Watt. How are you, Tom? Thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, I'm good, Andrew. Thank you. So, uh, that's very good timing, actually. They just blew full time on the uh, League Two playoff semi final, Tramir Morecambe. You can't beat a bit of football without being VAR, can you? <laughs> but absolutely. Oh, tell me about it. I absolutely loathe and despise VAR. What was the score, just out of interest? 2 uh, 1 Morecambe, who are. Um, uh, and it was at it was at Prenton Park. It, see, that's the thing. You see, two football. There's always a story. Every club is completely different. Do you know what I mean? It's not this sort yeah. of all homogenised kind of thing. So, Tranmere, obviously, you know, have fallen famously on our times. Really, you know, you think you can remember them in the in the Championship and the the great Johnny King era and all that. And and they sacked yeah. their manager. Immediately after they qualified for the playoffs, uh, you know, you explain to me how that works. But they, so they've gone in. The, the caretaker manager, his first two games at the playoff semi-finals, um, and then you know, and Tranmere, big club, they've got you know, uh, I, I don't know how many they. Had, I think they had about three and a half thousand there tonight. But they, you know, they'll push on for 10,000 10, people on a on a decent match day. And wow. you've got Morecambe, yeah. who have. Uh, the smallest budget in the division and they're in the playoffs and they've just won away in the first leg. So you see what happens. See what happens. It's good though. Wow. It's good. There's, there's, you know, they're proper stories. Um, there was a Definitely, old yeah. who was in charge of Morecambe for years and years, Jim Bentley, um, a fellow with an oh, yeah. background. But um, yeah, it's now uh, a guy called Derek Adams who uh, was at Plymouth, took Plymouth up to League One. Um, yeah, and uh, did a great job for them actually. So he's now at yeah, yeah, he's a good manager. I listened to sorry, Sorry, was Joe Royal anything to do with Tranmere? Wasn't he the manager there or something years ago? Joe Royal, no, um, you're thinking, no, not Joe Royal. Um, uh, John Aldrich was manager Ah, quite a long while. John John came through at Tranmere, you know, and John was great actually, did great at at Tranny. I used to know quite a lot of people at the club. I did do a bit of work there from from time to time, filming and what have you. And Aldo was always up there. You know, he's, he's got a bar with his name on it at the ground and all that stuff. And he was manager for a while and played for him famously as well. So, no, he's, yeah. he's a proper he's a proper Birkenhead legend, him, John Aldridge. I, 
I went off him immediately when he refused to shake the hand of uh, David O'Leary on the Anfield pitch in 89, where he just pushed his hand away. When he, David O'Leary, being a gentleman, was just trying to shake his hand. Yeah, put me off yeah. John Aldridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you show uh, me a bad loser. Not very you show me a bad, you show, show me a good loser, and I'll show you a loser, as they used to say. That's true. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very. True. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so once again, thanks ever so much for coming on. It's going to be uh, a good show tonight. Uh, just to remind everyone about uh, Mesa Island Discs, it's obviously my own take on the classic Desert Island Disc, but with an Arsenal twist, clearly. Um, everyone um, who comes on has got a choice to make of a, a variety of different sort of uh, situations to take with them onto the Desert Island. Some good, maybe a couple bad uh, as well. Um, and it's all sort of uh, loosely based on the old classic format. I'm uh, going to go straight into it, if that's all right with you two gentlemen. Yeah. And no, uh, go into the first, the first one, really. So you're alone, stranded on a desert island, and you can have one Arsenal game that you would never tire of watching again and again. So I'm going to go to you first, Tom, if that's okay with you, and see what your choice would be and why. Um, well... If you grow, you know, you grow up and spend a lifetime watching Arsenal, you've probably got quite a few games you wouldn't mind. You wouldn't mind. Tough, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> you know, there's the obvious ones like 26 of May 1989. There's, uh, funny enough, there's one where there was a half of football, which I wouldn't mind watching over and over and over again, which was actually the first. People don't remember it because it ended in such absolutely massive disappointment. Um during 2003-2004, when we, obviously, the invincible season, but we, we should actually have won the Champions League that year. Um, I think at the yeah. final stage, we were arguably the best team left in the competition. Got a draw at Chelsea in the first leg. Come over, Chelsea come over for the second leg. And the first half of that game, the first half of that game um, was the best 45 minutes of football I've ever seen an Arsenal team play in well over 50 years of watching Arsenal. Arsenal. It was unbelievable. It, obviously, because of the two goals after half-time, and uh, Jose Antonio Reyes scored in the, towards the end of the first half, we should have been about six up. Do you know what I mean? It was, it, just, it was the most unbelievable. It was just everything that was good about the Arsene Wenger era, really. Um, mm. um, obviously, Chelsea came back and won 2-1. Um, and uh, so nobody remembers that game. But that half, I've yeah. always remembered. Probably. But the game I, I would want to watch over and over again would be the first leg of the... First leg of the 19... Uh, sorry, second leg of the uh, 1971... Uh, the second leg of the 1970 Fairs Cup final at Highbury, um, which finished Arsenal 3 and Lecknil. Um, first trophy Arsenal had won in 17 years. Um you know, I'm 14 years of age, stood on the clock, and that's it. That's, for me, that's it. Um, so, uh, yeah, that that would be the one. I mean, I can still kind of play out the goals in the years and say, yeah, it was just, just fantastic. Eddie Kelly scored after about 20 minutes. And that was against a fantastic side as well. We'd already beaten Ajax in the semi-final, who went on to win the European Cup three years running. You know, that's when what is now the Europa League, that's when that was a proper competition, by the way. Yeah. That was a proper yeah. Um 
you know, we beat Ajax in the semi-final, um, also 3-0, actually, uh, at Highbury. And, you know, that Ajax team went on and won the next three, won the European Cup the next three seasons. And then Anderlecht came along, who, who are basically the Belgian national side, and uh, they beat us 3-1 in, in Brussels in the first leg. Ray Kennedy scored right at the end, and, but there was just this expectancy, muddy of the pit, raining. No, it was just brilliant. Library was absolutely mm. random. Eddie Kelly scored after 20 minutes, and then it was just like, it was just force of will. You know what I mean? It was yeah. just the most fantastic, fantastic night. Everybody on the pitch at the end, you know, Frank McKinnon got carried around the, the pitch on people's shoulders, hanging on to the cup. No, it was just the best. That was just, I think, the, you know, Highbury's greatest ever night, which oh. would probably suggest that it's Arsenal's greatest ever night. Um, yeah. it certainly was right. Up yeah. it, was, it was just fantastic. I can't know. Um, I'll curse my... I cursed my parents that I wasn't born a few years <laughs> earlier because I would have loved to have been there. Uh, I've heard so, so many people say what an amazing night uh, that was. Uh, I would do anything to go back in time to be there that night. But I, I wasn't was, born yeah, until well, it was still, minus yeah, no, three. There's black, there's black and white highlights around. and you, Because it's in black oh, and white so. and grainy and, you know, it's um, it it does give you something of a feeling of the thing. It's uh, no, it was, and it was on the back of a couple of really disappointing. We'd lost to Swindon in the League Cup final the year before, Leeds in the League Cup final yeah. the season before that. It's just never going to happen. And then that happened, and obviously it was the Springboard for doing the double the next season. So uh, it was, it was uh, without question, Highbury's greatest ever night. I, uh, I think Absolutely. you're right. I went to that game as well, and I took with me. I was, I think, fifteen at the time. I don't know, I wasn't sitting with my father and uncle who took me every week, but I had some baby sham in my pocket. I went and met him after the game with baby sham. So, so, uh, That's living, isn't it? That's living. I don't care. I didn't care then, I, you know. I didn't care. And also, I don't know if you remember, when we played AX at home in the semi-final, I think we played in our away strip that night. I don't know what, the memory seems to, in my mind, but for some reason, we played in an away strip. But that night, as you say, was a wonderful night. You know, for, for my father and uncle and a load of other people who'd never seen Arsenal win anything for so long. I mean, I've been supporting them for 10 years by then, or nine or 10 years, and didn't expect anything ever. So it was a great bonus for me. And they'd seen Arsenal win things like years and years ago. So for them, it was a great relief to see Arsenal win something again. Yeah. And the place rocked. No, it really no. did. It really did. If you could have bottled that, it'd have been brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Mark just uh, beat me to it in the chat there, saying, hey, I'd like a baby shout. I didn't think Mark was old enough to remember that. <laughs> oh, I remember that advert very well. Um, right, Melvin, you what's your answer to that question, that first question? Well, well I, think, I, think, I know this isn't a competition, game. but I think Tom's beaten me in the first one because uh, that was such a great game to pick. But I'm going to fight on. Don't worry, Tom, I'm going to fight on. The one I, I'm very proud of to watch Arsenal play again and again was when we played away to Manchester United in 2002 to win the title when Wiltor scored. Not only because we didn't have a full-strength team, not only because we were a great football team, but United, because they knew they, they weren't as good as a, as a football team at that time, tried to kick us on the, off the park. We wasn't going to have any of it. We, we so showed so much strength courage and just went for it and like wherever they've tried we're we're we're, we're meeting in the middle and we we'll go for it and we did i mean yeah. Vieira had one of those games that was just 
on the list. We played without Burkham, remember? No, Burkham, no one me. Kind of revealed to the attacking players. I mean, they all played so well. Part of the running socks. Right, part of the man in the match and drunk. Yeah, he ran his socks. I mean, it's just like you watch it and you think, every time someone's going for a tackle, you're wincing. You're thinking, oh my God, I hope he don't get injured. You know he don't get injured. You've seen it four times or five times before. But you're just every tackle you're going into with the players and they're coming out the other side, the Arsenal players. They weren't going to lose any tackles that night, whatever United were doing. No. They, weren't going to, oh, they weren't going to suddenly cry about anything. They just went for it. They weren't looking at the ref for any help. They just did their own thing. And it was fantastic. And to win it, um, it was just there as well. It was just a wonderful place to win it at. And it, they were, it was oh, just yeah. a joy to see. Absolute joy to see. And Will Tord really, again, was one of those unsung heroes. He wasn't always mm. in the team. But he always done a good job when he played for us. You know, when, when he used yeah, to yeah. the years of change, our will tours playing instead of X, Y, Z, he said, oh. But he, well, he never let us down. And he used he to get did. some very important goals as well. And so, he never complained. No, he never complained. No, he got on with it. So, uh, no, that was, to me, watching Arsenal that, that game was like, I was proud of them, the way they did it. Proud to be yeah. an Arsenal I remember, I was actually in a cottage in the middle of nowhere in Yorkshire at a place called Grisdale, and you had to come off this little country road, go up a little track, and it, it went on for another two miles into the middle of nowhere. And I watched it there, and I was absolutely papping myself because I didn't think I'd be able to get a good signal on the uh, with the satellite to actually watch the game. Um, and it was—I mean, I, I had to fiddle around with it for, for a little while, but I managed to get a really good picture and, and actually sat there in the middle of nowhere. Uh, watching that game and it was mm. just uh, so I mean it was just so exciting and I think it was probably one of those real first moments when we really did go toe to toe and really knock United off their perch mm. and that you know that we just like you said we got knocked down and just bounced straight back up again and we weren't taking any crap that day were we and um, yep. yeah we all told had a great game well everyone had a great game and worked their socks off so yeah it's a good choice as well Melvin what about you Ryan what um Game, would you be happily watch over and over again uh, if you were stranded on a desert island? It would have been that, but obviously uh, I'm going to go for another one now. It had to be the Arsenal v Everton in '98 to win the title, because obviously that mm. just because of the whole season oh, yeah. we started off so put not by it by turn of the year we were seventh, like seventh, eighth in the league, way off the mark basically. They were suddenly out of nowhere. They just went on a run. They just went on a massive win run that no one saw coming. May not have got something in cocky. Bookies are paying out as well for me out to win the title. But it didn't, we, didn't, right, we, yeah. we, didn't, we didn't bother us. We just kept going and going and going. And it came to an end to a point. We had four games in hand. We won them games. And it was this, this game, two games before the end of the season, win it at home in front of the fans, first time since 91. And we just showed our complete. The, the complete dominance we've shown at that latter after season, what's all accumulated in that game, and then what that moment we all we all know about is obviously a uh, silhouette of my channels, my logo. Mm. Tony Andrews getting put through by Bold on his left foot on the volley. I love that bit of commentary, my favourite bit of commentary ever. Yeah, <laughs> would, yeah. What do you believe it? That, that sums it all. And he's just turning as he as he says yeah. that sums it all up. He's turning, walking in towards the. This towards the stand and the sunshine just beams off his face, and with, yeah. with Tony Adams, obviously with everything he'd been through for the last few years prior building up to that, that's a sort of U turn in his personal life that's, as well. That's very spiritual that time I thought, didn't it? For him, yeah. very spiritual yeah. moment for him. That yeah, oh, I've got, amazing. 
I've got a signed photo behind it. It does, it does have that sort of ilk, that sort of feel about it every time I look at it, every time I see it, because it's literally just, yeah, he's walking off, arms in the air, and it's the oh. sun. And the statue, I've got a statue yeah. of it as well. So, yeah, my great moment, really, really great yeah. moment. Yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, we're going to move on to the second one, which is actually supposed to be the first one, but I've got it slightly the wrong way around, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> we're all between friends here. And the second one is the goal. One goal that you could quite happily, you know, again, watch over and over again. And it's back to you, Tom, uh, for your choice of this one. The goal that means so much to you. Yeah, well, the goal that, I mean, you know, the goal that I would happily watch over and over again is the best goal I've ever seen Arsenal player score, which was Dennis Bergkamp's third goal in his hat-trick at Leicester in 1997, um, oh, yeah. where somehow we ended up not winning the game. But, you know just the, the the best hat-trick you'll ever see. And the third goal was just... Oh. But the goal I would I would kind of take away with... Look, with football, it's the hope that kills you, right? But it's the hope is what... And so I would say Sol Campbell's goal. We're down to 10 minutes. Campbell, Sol Campbell's goal in the Champions League final in Paris. It gives me goosebumps. Look, my hair's standing on my arms. Yeah, I would say, you know, like Emmanuel Abue, bless him, has like dived for a free kick out on the right wing. We were, we were, I was in, right in the bottom corner there. Not not the corner where he scored, obviously, all the Arsenal at the other end. But um, And Abue's like gone down easy, shall we say, for a foul. Got a free kick and then Sol doing what Sol does, you know, getting on the end of it and, and heading it in. And you just thought, hang on, this is like, we're down to 10 men. And for so long in that game. And to be honest, you know, if we hadn't been down to 10 men and Thierry hadn't kind of, I don't know, run his uh, mistake with substitutions, Fabregas should have been substituting for the stand-up. Thierry missed two fantastic chances to make it 2-0. And eventually, you know, well, we all know what happened. But like I say, it's it's, it's the hope that kills you, but it's the hope you live for as well. So that goal probably yeah. is the one. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's why, because a lot of people that have been on this show have, uh, have said that that's the game that they would like to get rid of um, from history. But I totally agree with you, Tom, in the fact that it was still a very, very special game for me. And I, I would never want to lose that. That, you know, that goal was just, I mean, it, I was so proud of the of the team that night. And we should have won it. We should have absolutely won it. Should have been out of sight, and um, and with ten men as well, and it was it, unbelievably disappointing. But uh, for when that goal went in, Tom, I was ecstatic, and I wouldn't want to lose that feeling in a million years. So, totally get where you're coming from there, and I think it's a really good choice because at that moment I was on top of the world when that goal went in. Uh, yes, we know what came afterwards, unfortunately. Um, but uh, it was a, a fantastic moment, one that I'd, I'll never forget, really, at that point. Melvin, what's your choice of goal? Slightly off piece. I'm not going to uh, go for the normal ones that perhaps people might have gone for before. I'm going to go for the Burkamps one, the second one he got in his, when he against Southampton, when he, he scored his first ever goal for us in the yeah. league after about seven games. It's a lovely goal, but then the second one he got up the other yeah. end, he Amazing. ghosted past the player, took a lovely little touch, set himself up, 
and the goal would still be moved, the ball would still be moving if there wasn't a net there. And it just, I mean, we knew what a type of player he was. I mean, I'd see him play for Holland against England at Wembley once, and he chipped, or he lobbed, sorry, Seaman. And Seaman was like, where did that go? You know, there's one bounce, where did that go? And you saw the class, and you, I'd seen bits of him on the telly, you know, you didn't see a lot of him, but you knew the guy was quality. I couldn't believe he was joining Arsenal when he did. And when he didn't score for a few games, all the critics were giving it the big and oh, what a waste of money and all this. But you knew, you knew the guy was great. It was just a matter of time. And when he put that second one in, it wasn't a bit of, oh, he's got his first goal. He's now showing what he can actually do. So please keep quiet and just give the guy the respect that he's going to deserve now because he is different class and he was different class going forward for a very long time. So that one, that was a, just a, it's a beautiful moment. The way his movement, he just swept past the player. And just lined himself up and in one movement hit that ball and the goalie had no chance. No goalie would have had any chance. You could have had three goalkeepers in that mm. goal that day. Nothing would have happened. He would have still gone in. And uh, it just gave the whole, again, the whole ground a lift. It was buzzing. And everyone realised what we've got here. We have got an actual, a special talent. And it just went on from there. So for me, that goal for me was a special goal for me to see. Yeah, absolutely. And just to quickly, before I come to you, Ryan, your choice, mm. one of the uh, one of the best goals. Well, it was, was a Bergkamp goal, but it wasn't actually for Arsenal. It was the, the semi final goal he scored in the World Cup. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I was. So, I mean, again, that could have been for Arsenal. The way I felt mm. Um, mm. because yeah. I was just so it, proud of him. He'd, he'd already. This is what I'm saying. He'd already scored that goal for Arsenal. It was a quarter final against uh, mm. Argentina. And that was the reprieve of the goal, the third goal of his hat-trick at Leicester. It was the same goal, basically. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it was just unbelievable. I was so proud that he was an Arsenal player that scored that goal. Mm. And the way he just... He made it look so, so easy. Well. He made it look so easy. <laughs> he on the floor like, um, like Charlie George, you know. And yeah, uh, yeah special moment as yeah. well. Yeah. Right, what's your choice of goal, Ryan? Well, from an Arsenal perspective, uh, again, it's Burkamp, but it's one against Newcastle. The ball from Perez, he has to, a bad ball from his perspective, apparently. He had to flick it past Abizas, go around him, and get positioned quick enough to get in the, work, get in the position to pass it past Shea Given. And again, he made, it, he made it look so easy, but there's no way anyone else could have done it at that time. Even now, I find it hard to find anyone in the Premier League to do what he did in that moment. No, it, no assessing the pass... Anyone. Even Perez said, "Yeah, I, I overshot the pass." So he, and it Burkamp wouldn't have happened like, if he wasn't yeah. such a bad pass, would it? Yeah, that, would, exactly. that goal would never have happened yeah. like that. And Dennis says this. He said, "If it weren't, if it was a better, if it was a better pass for me, I'd do something else." But it was such a bad pass, I had to quickly <laughs> figure out what to do quickly. So quickly, that, that bang, and it just happened. And even they slow do it in slow mo. It looks, he makes it. it it's just so effortless, and it's only he could do that in that moment. Under mm. if, with everything that was going on that in that game, he had the coolness to go right. Yeah, it's a bad pass. You know, I'm gonna, make so, I'm gonna make something out of it. He didn't complain. He didn't go throw his toys at his pram. Robert, he got. He did. He did what he did, and it was just a fantastic goal. And he just played. I remember, I remember at the time after the match, and all, he just played it down like he did. Oh yeah, I meant. I meant to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And uh, Shane in the chat has put the Henri goal against Leeds when he came back on loan. I mean, that was an amazing yeah. moment as well. It was that a moment. A great choice. Yeah. It was a moment. And uh, also, 
yeah well it's just something that it's a goal that's special to you isn't it and yeah. uh, the, yeah. the feeling it gave you and so on and uh, Mark Green's put Limpar in the 4-0 win against Liverpool oh, on the yeah. halfway line yeah. years before Beckham did it basically yeah. <laughs> and uh, everyone yeah. when Beckham did it everyone would have thought that's the first time it had ever been done Hmm. He's a man to me own art, Mark, because he's had an extra goal with that. It was 3 0, actually. We beat 3 0, not 4 0. That was, that was <laughs> yeah. the game when Liverpool turned up with. He turned up and played in grey kit with 10 centre halves on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. But it, it was 3 0, but it was a great goal. He scored Amazing a few, goal. He scored a great one last game right. that season. Coventry, it's one as well. I mean, obviously, obviously, I've already given my choices in previous hmm. shows, but. Uh, I'll just say again, my favourite one of all time uh, was the Rowcastle goal he, he scored against uh, Middlesbrough, where he, he just literally went off on the dribble, took it round about four or five players and just sort of stuck it in the top right-hand corner. Mm. My favourite player of all time, and that was my favourite goal of all time. I just, uh, I was in the ground and I, I just, I just, so, uh, again, you know, I keep using this word, but I was just so proud of him because he's my he was my favorite player and the way that he did it i just felt so proud of him like he's like my brother or my son or something i just uh the feeling i've got just sent shivers down my spine it was just unbelievable and he's he, if that goal had been scored by a brazilian in the world cup you'd still be watching it every time any any international came on you know it's just a fantastic goal and uh one i'll never forget really personally so we're going to go on to the next one which is the sort of the negative one, really, and uh, back to you, Tom. And it's the goal. Uh, sorry, the Arsenal game that you would quite like to wipe from history and chuck it in the sea when you're when you're actually on the uh, <laughs> the desert island. What would be your choice there, and why? Yeah, well, it's been one or two of those as well. I said that Swin the Swindon League Cup final in '69 was bad. You know, they were in yeah. the third division. Then. Uh, that was bad, but I, probably it would be um, the. Uh, it would probably be the Europa League final against uh, against Chelsea in, in Azerbaijan. It was a very long way to go for that. And uh, to be fair, I actually had a brilliant day. The, the whole kind of thing, the, the trip, and everything. I went with some really good mates. I've got one or two friends who live in Azerbaijan, so one of them met us at the airport. We, had, you know, we had a good. But there was this kind of bubble which was that ridiculous stadium <clears throat> with no fans in it hmm. and you're sat there a million miles away from the pitch and the most abject performance probably you'll ever see from uh, an Arsenal yeah. team I mean it, it was just that was a really really kind of horrible night just all round. Yeah. It was like what you know it was one of those where you know, why, why are we even playing them there in the first place? And I think that mm. hadn't they already won the league or something? It was like it meant nothing to them, and it Bless. just you know, apart Bless. from uh, funny enough, Alex Iwobi scored a really good goal that night, but other than that, it was just relentlessly horrible, just a horrible, horrible experience. The mm. whole thing, yeah. So it was weird because you've got, um, and it but the thing is, the thing is with that, and I actually said it to a, a couple of mates on the way back was. The one thing about that night is that it doesn't matter now. Forevermore, people could come away from a game which Arsenal have lost or it's not been a good game, or and they go, "Oh, God, that was terrible." That was, terrible. and you just go to them, 
Don't even think about what a bad game is. <laughs> you were in Baku. And if, if you were in Baku, then you know. Then you know how bad it can be. And that's how bad it can be. Yeah, it, I mean, that's probably the lowest I felt. I mean, I was podcasting it. I was probably the lowest point I've ever had as an Arsenal fan in in my lifetime. That sort of period, actually. The games leading up to it as well, against Palace, against Watford, against Brighton. Yeah, yeah, I know. We should have finished top four. Although, in that in that uh, Europa League run, and I think that was why you sort of half went there thinking, you never know, because we'd actually played some fantastic... You know, that was Emery's competition yeah. in the Europa League, and it is again, obviously. Yeah. This season, you know, he, he he knew what to. Well, we played we played absolutely fantastic in both legs of the semi final against Napoli. Bamiyang was frightening, wasn't he? Well, in the in the quarter final as well, Bamiyang mm. and uh, Lacazette were fantastic, weren't they? That hat trick, yeah, Bamiyang scored just a mess, just a mess, superb. But it was dreadful, absolutely dreadful. It's a good choice actually um, for. You know, game to be. What about you, Melvin? On a personal note, not just the result, what it might have meant. It's one of those games where if if we would have won instead of getting beat, things might have changed completely. I went up with my son in uh, what year was it? Two thousand? Uh, no, was two thousand? Was it when we went up to Leeds near the end of the season? We had a chance of winning the league. Oh yeah. Hold on a second. It was nineteen ninety nine, and uh, up the Welland Road. David O'Leary was the manager at the time. And uh, people were saying, are oh, you going to do your old club a favour? He went, no way. You know, I'm the Leeds manager. Anyway, went up there. It was a tight game. But then we brought the, the Diawara on. It was very good at hitting the post and bar. Absolutely, absolutely <laughs> fantastic at that. Not too good at actually getting the goal, but he loved hitting the woodwork. And he came on and he missed a couple of sitters from about a couple of yards out. And it was just wasn't going to happen. And then near the end, Vivas, Nelson Vivas, who came on a sub as well, he didn't see um, Hasselbank on his shoulder. And Hasselbank was at the far post to push it in. I think that might be one of the last games he played with us, actually, before we sold him on. And we went, and that was it. We never got back in the game, never looked like scoring. And that really cost us the league that game. And it was only a couple of games. And the long drive back with my son, who fell asleep in the back, you know, so I'm, I'm sitting there driving home by myself all that way from Leeds and it feels like it was probably four hours it felt like 24 hours you know and you know you've got to get up and you work that was 1999 really? yeah was that 1999 yeah, well, yeah, that is, yeah so you picked that over the semi-final replay well I didn't I'll tell you why yes you I did that. because I thought I'll tell you why I picked that Tom because I thought someone else was going to mention that one because that's like a more obvious oh, I, one. That, that, I felt the sick. semi-final replay, the, that was the one. Because if, we, if we'd won the semi-final, if, if Burkamp sticks away the penalty, that's a catalyst, then we, I agree. we go through in the final of the FA Cup. Yes. If yes. we're in the final of the FA Cup, we would also have won the league, by the way. We would also I, have won. Yeah, we would have done the double. I agree. Yes. 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 But I just thought someone else might actually pick it up. That's why. I thought I'd be someone, in the room. Someone chose that, that game. I felt sick that night. When we went up, to, when he, I went to the first one, I didn't go to the replay. First one, I think, was at Villa Park, wasn't it? Was the first one? First game? Yeah. In the semi final? Yeah. yeah. I went to the first one. For some reason, I couldn't make the second one. 
And I felt watching it as he went up to take that penalty, Burkham, when he missed it, I, I thought we were out. I'll be honest with you. It's like you think, you know, the momentum's gone here. We've got we've got one extra man than them. We've just missed a penalty in the last minute. You know, I felt sick. And when we got beat, it was like, yeah, it was a kick in the stomach times 10. I agree. But I just thought that perhaps someone else might pick it. That was the obvious choice. That's why I didn't pick Mickey Thomas's goal, if you like, as the most important goal to watch every week, you know, on the island. Mm. I just, just a little, tried a little bit wider scope, that's all. But you're right, Tom. Yeah, that but someone, no, someone else, no, it was really disappointing. But that semi-final replay, we would have won the league. We would have won the league. Yeah. We would have won the league. Yeah. I can't remember who it was, but someone else that was on the show doing this chose that semi-final replay as the game that they would want to be able to watch forever because what? of the quality of the football between the two sides Mate. and the rivalry between the two sides and the excitement that it showed. And it just sort of took them back to, you know, the just the fierce rivalry that we had with United at that particular point. And it was such a, an incredibly exciting game. But mm. I could see their point of view in a way. But, Can you? I mean, you, cannot get, you can't get <laughs> away from... You watch from I know, I know, I know. I'm trying to be kind to the Because other games Arsenal played United have been very exciting. You don't have to pick that one. I know. Don't shoot the messenger, mate. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just saying. It weren't my choice. But there you go. Anyway, Ryan, what's your choice of a game to be in? Just because, again, how young I was at the time, the 2001 FA Cup final. Even though we played some fantastic football, oh, we all over them. It's just the, the gut wrench in ten minutes that we had to ensure for that last ten. As I said, dominated, and we were on show it, diving actually, save. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I mentioned that other night. Literally, no matter what, it was the ball not going in the net until Lundberg scored like fifteen minutes for the end, and then you think, okay, we got we got the goal. We finally got the goal. Fantastic. And then we make a few subs. It was a bit questionable, and then uh, oh. Um, his name there. McAllister comes on for Liverpool, set piece specialist himself. What do you go and do? Give him a free kick. And then that's and literally that free kick, he whips it in from like foot, foot, 30, 40 yards away. Owens there taps it in one all, and you just know what's coming. You just know it. And then literally five minutes late, five, six minutes later, one ball over the top. Owens there running at you. Young, oh, this is an, an Owen before his injury, and obviously, Kieran went to nosedive a couple of years later. Running at our uh, very Asian defence, Barth and Ashley Cole, in terms of Lee Dixon, Keown, and Adams, and you just know it's going. It's going. It, there's no way. Even I'm watching that. I'm watching it back now in my head, and I'm literally as a 10, 11 year old thinking, "Okay, he's going. Yeah, okay. No matter what. Even though Seaman's in goal. Even though I love Seaman, one of my childhood childhood heroes as an Arsenal fan. Part of one of the reasons why I support Arsenal. I knew he was going to score, and when he does, it hurt. It makes it hurt even more. It's just gut wrench. And then, as you said. We should have had at least two, three penalties in that game. That referee was on something else. I don't know what he was watching. I mean, literally, Henri rounds Vesterveld of one example, has the shot. Hopefully, Honcho Hopia gets that, gets back, and literally gets down at a goalkeeper and puts the ball out for a corner. Yeah, punch the corner. Around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We didn't even we get the corner. We should have been playing ten men. Yeah, we should have been playing ten men. Never mind penalty. Yeah, that's yeah. sent off. Yeah. But no, we've made up for it in the last couple of years. We get all the decisions now, though, boys. So it's made up for it. Oh yeah, especially last night. <laughs> with Ben Turkey. Fuck off. 
Uh, <laughs> but anyway, that's just, that's another... just, sorry, that just literally as a kid, I was like, and again, after that, was like three years after 98, we hadn't won a trophy, obviously, in that time frame, got to go to the UEFA uh, UF, Cup final, didn't get over the line, lost some penalties, but it was just that, you know what, this could have been the moot, it was, I think it might have been in another way. That was another push. bad night. Yeah, yeah, that well, was another bad night, yeah. by the way. Galatasaray, yeah. Galatasaray, and Panagos as well. Before, before, yeah. oh, be, you know, it'd be nice to fall all over again, and it was, it was absolutely. There was all was the just, aggravation before and went yeah. there, and oh, mm. mate. Was, yeah, mind you, done, they did have. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. As a kid, I was just thinking at the time that FA Cup final, if we win that. It pushes us back on. We get back on the road to pushing for the title again. But I think maybe it works another way. Maybe the, the loss and the way we lost pushed Wenger and the club to do what they did in the summer and push the, the players that remained on again for the, that double winning season because it's sort of the, the gutting wrench of dominating game, not taking the chances, sort of must have knocked them all summer, knowing that we we had this, we had it. We could have had this, but we didn't. We didn't take our chances. And then next year, fast forward a year, in the FA Cup final on the verse of a double against and again, a London derby as well against Chelsea. And then we all know what happens there: Ray Parland and Freddie Longberg again. And we sort of right the wrongs from twelve months ago. But that, that, that's it. Yeah, so that two thousand and one side, it, it just it, it hurts me even now thinking about it because just with the fact it we just we didn't deserve to lose. I think everything went against no. us that game, as I said, the referee, everything, no matter what. And what even made it even worse was, Rocky, was Rocky's son was the mascot for that day as well. Yeah. Another one for me was the uh, Littlewoods Cup final against Luton as well. Oh, mm. yeah. I mean, that, you know. Oh, with the Steen, <laughs> uh, Steen's goal. I mean, uh, that, that really pissed me off as well. I was so yeah. gutted. I was only a young lad and... I mean, was that? I can't, can't remember my brain's play. Was that before the '87 against Liverpool? Was it after no, the '87? Year after. It was '88. Year after. Yeah, it was '88, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we missed was, the penalty that game as well. Missed the penalty. Yeah, I know. And then we had just Gus so... Caesar made a mistake in the last couple of minutes, didn't he, Gus? Oh, I know. That was, that was it. That was it for you. Well, everybody blamed Gus. Everybody blamed us. <laughs> Tony Adams I'll tell you what, though, with that no, game, that Luton game was different because you've what you've got to say is that for Luton, that's the greatest game in their history. And yeah. that group of players that they had and that team that they had, that group of players are some of the most fantastic human beings ever to play football. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about mm. people like Danny Wilson and Mick Carford and Brian Steen and uh, and Ricky Hill was Ricky Hill with them. Yeah, Ricky Hill. They, they were just absolute top draw human beings. Well, they still are um, top draw human beings, and that was such a big. You know, you think about that club's history. What have they done? I think they'd lost one FA Cup final previously, and. You know, it was such a big thing for them. You almost, you you kind of couldn't begrudge them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Obviously, on yeah. the afternoon, it's terrible. But looking back, you go, fair player. I mean, I remember, I, I don't know if they were taking the mickey or what, but they actually got me to to MC a, because I knew all of it. I've got to know all of those little lads over the years. 
and they um they got me to MC like a a, a, a dinner one night to celebrate <laughs> Newton's oh. League Cup win. An anniversary. <laughs> An anniversary. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was um and it, you know, at one you know, you're going, oh, you take Mick here and you but actually it was a brilliant, brilliant night because they're brilliant people. They were really brilliant people. Um and it was, you know, it was just a, a standout afternoon for for that football club and for you know for supporters like we're just you know we're just lucky aren't we we're just lucky mm, yeah you think you spend a lifetime supporting Luton <laughs> yeah no, no, no. I winning that league cup final yeah so no, they still I, had a plastic I, pitch at the time didn't they I think didn't they still have that plastic yeah. pitch mm. back then as well that was dreadful that yeah. was and was it Steve Foster there at the back as well that always wore a sweatband yeah. around his head yeah, yeah. Remember him? He, he did my head in that day. He was, he just, he couldn't beat him. He was like, he did everything away. That bloke. He had an amazing game. Yeah. I remember. Anyway, right. So if you're, hang on, no, it's back to, back to you now. I think Tom with the next category, isn't it? And that is, okay. um, the song that you would choose to summarise your feelings about the whole of the Wenger era. Of Arsenal, um, I would say to be honest, because <clears throat> it was some, some, you know, and particularly you think of the early, you know, the kind of first half of uh, the Wenger era, it would be um, that walking in a Bird Camp Wonderland, because mm. I just think that Bird Camp, yeah. Bird Camp was everything. Bird Camp was. Everything on the pitch that Wenger was off it, he, he just he changed Arsenal hmm. in a, to, hmm. to a degree, you know, to the same degree that Wenger did. Obviously, you know, hmm. he had to cult the manager and he talked to the manager and this and that. But Bergkamp changed that football club, and so for the two of them to coincide hmm. was just perfect. Hmm. So that hmm. song, I just remember that song, '98. That was it. That was it. It was just the, um, you know, that it, it was perfect. To have Wenger yeah. off the pitch and Dennis Bergkamp on it, you've died and gone to football level, mate. Yeah. So I, I, would take, I would take that song for that era, really. I mean, God... I think your memory is like, just make my hair stand up on end. It's like amazing when you just like talk about it because it's that special though, isn't it? I, honestly, mm. I never dreamed that I would see football like I was watching back in those days when in the early days of Wenger. I just couldn't believe my eyes really that, that the quality of the football that Arsenal were playing and the orchestrator, the conductor was undoubtedly uh, Dennis Bergkamp on the pitch. He was just, he was literally like the, the conductor of a beautiful symphony orchestra, wasn't he? When he was already there. He was already there. That's why I say yeah, he made yeah. it possible. It was amazing. Um, absolutely amazing. So, yeah, great choice. And what about you, Melvin? What song would you choose? Well, I'm going on the similar theme to Tom about thinking about the good times of Wenger because I was trying yeah. to think of a song with snakes and ladders up and down. I'm not going to do that. I think it was just the good times. The first 10 years was wonderful. And a song that was never been sung at a football ground, obviously. But one just to just the uh, the um, the whole 
the meaning of the song and the actual title of the song of what I was like watching this Arsenal team for 10 years. It was like Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that says it all really, didn't it? It was a It was great an amazing day. time. It was you you went in there, you didn't want the game to end. You just were just lapping it yeah. all up. It was mm. great. You never looked at your watch or read the program. You just were there. Oh, no. I don't know had my mouth open or not, probably did. And just <laughs> watched this game and just, just loved every bit of it. You know, it's just like oh, no. fast, fast, slow, quick, quick, fast, slow, slow. It was just from one end to the other. Teams were frightened to get a corner against us. We broke so quickly. Yeah. And yeah. it was just a wonderful thing to see. You know, there's so many defenders just putting their arms out going, wiping mm. there. What on earth happened there? And I knew they couldn't do anything about it. Certain defenses yeah. could no. not do anything about it. Was it. A- it was a goal-scoring opportunity for us, would it? Uh, a corner for the opposition. Yeah, that's yeah. what I said. They were trying to get a corner. Yeah. Seven seconds later, it was in the back of their net. It was just mm-hmm. breathtaking. Absolutely breathtaking. And it started, you know, mm-hmm. with Mark Overmars. I mean, wow. Yeah. Wow. A, you know, Nicholas and Elka. They're like Gazelle running down. Mm-hmm. No one could catch him. No one. Mm-hmm. You know, one well-timed very, pass, you knew it was a goal. You knew it was a goal. They were so direct, weren't they? They weren't just mm. passing backwards and sideways. No, they were so just direct. Ball and no. ran with it. They just ran yeah. with the ball. And defenders, as you said, they were like, we don't, we don't like this, don't like Absolutely this. They kept the back, off, back off and left so much room. They just go, okay, we'll go this way and go bang. And you wouldn't believe that Mark Overmars had had, what, t- I think it was two cruciate ligament injuries before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to worry about it. People wrote him off and Benga took a chance and look what happened. Um, mm. Anyway, Ryan, what's your um, song for the Vengarera? Sort of sticking to what the sort of theme of what Tom went down the route there is. Um, Arsene Wenger was magic, and he wore a magic hat for the first for the first half <laughs> of his first half of his time. It was like that because everything he sort of touched was that to, went to gold. Football was out. Was no one else played better football than us for a good five six years? We were, that's not just in England in the in Europe, in the world, possibly. We were I just on another level. We were I just, don't think we, we're just on level. This is just another... And he got, the thing is, we, we talked about the corners before and all that. Uh, teams were afraid to have a, have a corner against us. Because Wenger built a team. He obviously inherited the, the George, got some of the George Grain players, but he was able to then use that as an advantage when he, in terms of getting the Vieiras in, the Supertos, and bringing in Sol Campbell. You've got big, strong physical players in the early years. Along with the little dainty ones to play the, the little technical stuff, but it was just the perfect. You had the perfect balance. There's a bit, the players that weren't afraid to get stuck in. I mean, we always hear the, the stories like Dennis Burkamp. We always saw him in, in that time, like the, the technical, the technically, the technically gifted player that he was, made things look so effortless and mesmerising. But apparently, he wasn't. He wasn't yeah. afraid to get stuck in and put a, put a foot in, and you know he was there. And he weren't going to get pushed up, pushed aside. But, yeah, every, but it, all, it all comes down to Wenger because Wenger allowed his players to play with that freedom, and because he had that belief and that belief in them as well, it sort of we saw, we saw, and we sort of became. I don't know what's the word to describe it. We sort of became so used to it that when it, when it started to disintegrate, you know, over the last half of his time, we got we became that bitter and, and spoiled child that wants that doesn't like the, doesn't like change wants 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 things to take the same what's going on why why why, yeah, why are you doing this to us i know yeah absolutely um 
just so you know, Tom, my choice of uh, for song was "I Touch Myself" by the Divine. <laughs> um, so <laughs> anyway, anyway moving on. Not, not it's not nine o'clock yet, Andrew. Come on, it's not nine o'clock. No, yet. no. Andrew, uh, Andrew, I've just yeah, I just need to let you know I've got to be off at nine. I've got to be on another call yeah. at nine. Um, Absolutely fine. So, uh, I've got to whiz, whiz through these last uh, couple of categories. Well, you're fine. No, because there's no reason you've got, you're in very good company here with Brian and Melvin. So don't. <laughs> Absolutely. Just, when I disappear at nine, don't take it personally. It's just, I'm still working. <laughs> Not at all. So that's just all let's, I'm saying. Let's give, us a, give us a chance to say, <laughs> give us a chance to say goodbye to you. Um, what would you choose as a song for the Emery era, Tom? Um, uh, well, it's not really one for the kids, but um, uh, if you, <laughs> uh, but I don't know who, who might remember. There's a song that the great Jimmy Ruffin sang called "What Becomes of the Broken Hearted." Yeah, and it just goes much. back to that. Yeah. You know, it just goes yeah. back to that because I had high hopes of Emery. I think he was a, you know, mm. I, I really like that Sevilla team uh, that won. What was it? They won three straight Europa Leagues, didn't they? Yeah, I, a, I, I really like that team. A friend of mine um, was uh, had, had done a lot of work with Emery and thought he was really, really good. Although this guy was Gibraltarian, so he spoke Spanish fluently. And do you know what I mean? He so I had, I had high hopes of Emery, and you know, people forget he, he went twenty odd games undefeated and blah blah blah, all of that. So in a way, because you've sort of thought, yeah, this is the right bloke, and because. You got to this, you know, and we should have finished top four that season. His first season, we should have finished top four. Absolutely no question. Stupid, mm. stupid games that we that we lost. At the end, particularly at the, the end. particularly yeah. the Crystal Palace game. That was just. Yeah. Um, so it it was kind of heartbreaking, really, because you knew. Oh, I mean, you know, it dragged on, mm. didn't it, into the following season? But you knew that night in Baku, you knew. Your heart's broken. Yep. This fella's... He's gone. He's gone. Yeah. So that song, What Becomes of a Broken Heart, probably... Because, you know, you got your heart's got to be kind of... Mm. Something's got to have taken your heart for it to break afterwards. So... And I had yeah. invested a bit in Emery. I, you know, I really wanted it to work for him. Um, yeah. And then my heart got broken in back yeah, you two guys okay? If I just finish off um, Tom's last yeah, couple yeah. of categories, yes, of course. Yeah. I'm just looking at my go. contract. Hold on, looking at my contract. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, what would be your choice of song then for how you think the how you think it's gone so far and potential for the future under Arteta? Um, I still have. I think. You know, he's obviously he's learning on the job, and I d to be honest, I'm not really sure. You know, you could always say Wenger's Arsenal, couldn't you? It's not like yeah. that now. This club belongs yeah. to Stan Kroenke, so that's yeah. that's the thing. This club belongs to Stan Kroenke, and so I'm not sure. I don't know what the future holds. I've got no idea. I'm not quite sure what to make of, of for me I, I think what ryan was saying about you know the bitterness and i i've kind of I, i've got a bit of i have trouble with a lot of arsenal supporters to be honest 
a lot of the ugliness mm. around the finger out thing. Um, and there's this kind of sense of entitlement that has come with the, the unbelievable success that the club had in the late 90s and early 2000s. And I, you know, I, I kind of, but I hope that now, you know, and people don't recognise that that Arteta came in and, you know, that cup final against Chelsea, that was an absolutely, to beat Man City in the semi and then beat Chelsea in the final last season. That was an achievement, you know. And people go, oh, yeah, well, it's only the FA Cup. So, don't tell me it's only the FA Cup. Don't tell me Absolutely. that. Because you talk, do you know what I mean? But so, but where Arteta goes, I, I'm not sure. What tools have he given? I don't know. But one thing I do know is that the whole kind of experience now over the Arteta era, and it's not to do with him, to be honest, the Arteta era so far and what is to come is not going to be about Arteta. It's going to be about... And I think that maybe people have kind of woken up to what modern football actually is. Maybe people have woken up to it. You know, we had a laugh before. I'm watching League Two football, League Two playoff semi-final, because I can watch football without VAR. And, you know, people are maybe waking up a bit to what modern football has become. And hopefully, as The Who said in their one of their greatest ever songs, we won't get fooled again. Because mm. let me tell you, we have been properly fooled. We have been yep. properly fooled. And not just by the Cronkies, by the way. We've been fooled, for me, by modern football. Mm. By what football yeah. has become. Too sterilised, yeah. isn't it? Sterilised. Mm. Don't even get me started, because I've got to go at nine. <laughs> I have to be here until ten. <laughs> you know what I mean? So don't get me started. And I'm not saying we can ever go back. But what I am saying is I hope that now... When people have seen, I think it's brilliant. Like now, you, you kind of you watch the game last night. You watch any game. You go, where are all the people who thought VAR was a good idea? Because everybody now oh, goes, ah, oh, it's terrible, it's terrible. I, you know, I was saying, I said, this is the worst invention in the history of professional football. It is, yeah. It's the yeah. worst I thing. Agree. It's the worst thing to happen to football yeah. since yeah. the game was invented. The single yeah, worst. I agree. Because we live for the moments where yeah. everything goes out the window, where you go completely mm. mental, where everything just Good and those you. moments no yeah. longer exist. They have been taken no. away from football. And that's what I mean about getting fooled. Because what we've been fooled by is muds like us who've still got season tickets and go to games and all that. We think we're still watching a game that's played for the people who pay to watch it. No. Guess again. No. We're watching a game that's played for television audience. Yeah. And VAR yeah. works fine for them because they don't really care. Do you know what I mean? It's another yeah. talking point, isn't it? Yeah. But for the people who go, it has destroyed. VAR has destroyed the experience. Mm. Yeah. For the people who I play, agree. and more crucially, for the people who pay to watch and play, it's killed it. I don't know why I got mm. on the VAR, but that's just one example. <laughs> that's one example. Yeah. And I just hope people are waking up and we won't get fooled again. So that would be my song for, for these. Very, these very good. Uh, very good choice. Love it. And just finally, then, before you go, can you think of a film that would summarise what Arsenal means to you and your life supporting Arsenal? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's the it's the blatantly obviously it's the blatantly obvious one, which is Fever Pitch. 
Yeah, you, not which you did. On, because, I believe you did it on stage, didn't you? Well, that's what I mean. That's what I was going to say. And uh, the thing was, I mean, obviously, fantastic, fantastic book that made people Amazing. look and think and feel completely differently about football supporters in general, not just Arsenal supporters. And uh, Nick Gornby, that is a master. You know, if that's the only thing he'd ever written in his life. That is, it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing book. Um, yeah. And yes, I did do a one-man show, um, like a national tour and a, um, uh, a run in London of a stage play based on Fever Pitch. But it was, it, well, I say a play, it was a one-man, it was like a one-man play. You play with the characters, his mum, his dad, at different ages, girlfriend, all these. And the thing was, why I say it absolutely does sum up my life is because me and, me and Nick are roughly contemporary in terms of age. Yeah. And I did that play. And the great thing was, and of course it goes for the book as well, and why it speaks to me so strongly, is because every single game that was mentioned in the play, every single Arsenal game that's mentioned in the book, I was there. I was at the game. Yeah. The only one where we're different is obviously the game that makes the film, which is 26 of May 1989, which obviously Nick watched on telly, but I was at the game. So that's the only one that's different. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So that one, both because of what it is, because of the subject matter, and also because it was one of, one of, if not the best acting jobs I ever had in my life. So I would, I would take that all day long. I didn't yeah, actually. I wasn't, wasn't absolutely sold on the film, but Fever Pitch, the yeah, yeah, phenomenon, was absolutely, you know, absolutely nailed it. It's great. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, I just can't thank you enough. I think it's been brilliant that you've been on. I've really, really enjoyed it. And uh, what have you got? Anything that you need to that you'd like to sort of plug at the moment? What anything coming up? No. Or no, yeah, yeah. But no, <laughs> it's fine. You'll get out there. Do you know what I mean? Fantastic. You'll get out there. <laughs> no problem. But well, it's I... great, to see you. great to see you again, Melvin. Good to meet you, Andrew. Good to meet you, Brian. Love it. Up the arsenal. Nice to see you again, Tom. Brilliant. See you again, Thanks I'm sure. Thanks, Tom. Right. Yeah, Take, right. care, Take care, Tom. Take, Take care, mate. Take care. Right. Top man. Well, that was uh, Tom Watts, and that was brilliant. I absolutely, absolutely love his passion, the way he talks mm. about football. And I couldn't agree so more sorry. with everything he said, to be honest. I think you do need to yeah. get him on for a separate podcast at some point during the, like in the summer or something, just to talk oh. about VAR. Because I think that would be the whole... Because there's so much to get I, involved into it in one one show, maybe two shows, where he, you could, everyone, not just him, but everyone could sort of go even more into what how we what we feel about it. I could not agree with him one bit more. I just totally mm. and utterly agree that it's the worst thing to happen to football, you know what? It's, well, <laughs> ever. it's yeah. not just VAR. There's That's other things that we can speak about. Not just yeah. VAR. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. But VAR That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Not quite right with football. Yeah. But I tell you That's something. That's the whole show. The, so you could come back. Out of all the people that are well known, if you like, hmm. people that are Arsenal supporters and call themselves Arsenal supporters, I've heard them speak and I've spoken to some. Blah blah blah. He's the most knowledgeable guy I've ever met. Yeah, yeah, honestly, I'll honestly, tell you what. I, mean, I thought that I'd be able to pick him up on something. You know, oh, would you? I thought, no, he's right. Everything he says is right. The dates, the times, the, the, the scorers. I, I think he would be on one of those quizzes, you know, that, that you yeah, do. Yeah. 
he would be unbelievable on, on the, on the Arsenal. <laughs> I've never seen a guy, it just comes naturally with him. He doesn't think about it, which is fantastic. You know, he, because he's, 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 it's like us. It's in his DNA, isn't it, Arsenal? You can tell it's in his DNA. Mastermind and BBC One. Special subject, Arsenal's history. Even, oh, yeah. Yeah, but even fair, lower league football. Yeah. He was talking about lower league football at first yeah. off, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. And he, yeah. he knew everything about that, wrong? Like straight away. Yeah. Who used to play for who and Tramir and what a guy. Yeah. I absolutely mm. loved uh, every minute of him being on the show tonight. I was so pleased. And yeah, just the way he talks about if football is just mm. uh, inspiring, really, isn't it? Mm. It's really, really yeah, makes you realise why you love the game. You know, when you when you get someone so passionate, yeah, knowledgeable, it's, it's brilliant. Love it to see, love it to be in his company. Thing is, I just got to say one thing: Mark Green. I always imagine in my mind is is a young guy. <laughs> oh yeah, no, but he's not. He's no, an old sod think... like me. I didn't realise. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, for some reason, it might you know get in your mind, yeah. you visualise yeah. sort of an image or something. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Must have a chat one day, yeah. Mark. We must have a chat. <laughs> Mark, your name is too young. You need to get an older yeah. man's name. He must have a chat. Like Melvin, though, obviously, you know. you, you've got a few stories on Arsenal as well from Mark, I reckon. Bloody hell. Right, you're going to have to remind me uh, what um, was the last category you did, Melvin. I think we've got to do the managers, haven't we? Have we got to do the we, managers? Okay. We've done We've done so, Vader. Yeah. We've done Vader. We've got to do Emery Arteta. So, it's your go then, Melvin. A song to summarise the Emery era for you. We had a couple. Can I can I give you a couple? Can I do? Can I be rude? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. Now. <laughs> All right. We're on the road to nowhere. That was one of them. <laughs> and the other Good one, because yeah. I couldn't make up my mind, and this is the way it was going. It started all right with Emery, and it went not so good. And I thought, down, down, deeper, and down. <laughs> well, that's why I couldn't make up my mind, sir. Thank you very much for having me. Let me have two. No, that's very good. Really, really good. Uh, I think my one was Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now by the Smiths. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's yours, Roy? Uh, the Pretender by the Foo Fighters. Oh, just yeah. Because he's just, yeah. Just because he, he, there's that manager after Arsene Wenger. We all, as you said, we all hoped it would work. We didn't want to become the... Uh, we wanted, to, we wanted to do the opposite to May United when Ferguson retired. We wanted to get things right straight from the off. And it just screamed, especially in that, uh, Tom t- touched on earlier, the last stage of that se- that first full season, when we had it, in, we were third in the league, had it in our hands with like four or five games to go, and he just <laughs> threw it away. Crystal Palace, I mean, Everton away, Crystal Palace, I'm Everton away, Brighton at home. Oh, Mark. We have to get you on sometime. <laughs> I've asked him. I don't, yeah, yeah, I've asked him to come on. And Queen, who wants to live yes. forever. <laughs> it's a good choice yeah. as well. Um, I'm going to whiz through the last couple, right. if you don't mind. Yeah. because Not no, because I no. want to rush off, but because I want to talk about something that sort of came out uh, in the news today as well. Um, All right. But just quickly, um, yeah, your song then, Melvin, to summarise what has gone on so far under Arteta, but what potentially you think could be his song for the moment. Well, this is his song for the moment rather than the future. This is his song, right? It's from The Clash. 
Should I stay or should I go? <laughs> <laughs> You've won. Bye. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, that's a fantastic choice. It's nice when no, I mean, you don't. You haven't got to say much else, have you? <laughs> no, that's no. it. End of. <laughs> Says it all. Great song as well. Love it. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah. Oh, Ryan, how well, about you? Uh, numb because I've because literally his season's been so mind numb and sir, uh, sir, he hadn't done his homework, painful. sir, sir. <laughs> numb. Yeah. That's no, a good numb, numb from um, oh, what was it? Are you two? What you two? Um, oh, what was it? Oh, you two did a song called Numb as well. They did. A, they did a song called Numb, but it's the one from the oh, what was it? The guy that died a few years ago as well. He died a few years ago in America. I can't remember his name now. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh my god. Linkin Park, yeah, Linkin Park. That's it. Yeah, I can't think of yeah, yeah. can't think of the guy's it. name now. Yeah, literally out of my head. This is a bit, literally, literally yeah. I listen to it most of the time because it's part of my playlist and Spotify. But yeah, it's like, at least I say numb. It's because mainly on this season, it's not off word. Don't get me wrong, but this season itself has become so numb, my numbingly yeah, yeah. numb to the defeats. So I've got the defeats now. So they hurt me at first, but I'm just. It's like, yeah, cool, we've lost. Not like, yeah, we, oh, yeah, but we've lost. It's just like, no, there's no pain to it anymore. It's just like you become yeah. used to it, become accustomed to the to us all of a sudden. And that, again, that's not it's a good thing enough. either. But I think Melvin wins it tonight. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, your story of your life, then, uh, Melvin, as an Arsenal fan, what would be your what would be the film? The title of the film, not necessarily what the film was about. Yeah, of course, it yeah. Would, yeah, it would be Hope and Glory. Yeah, mm. good one. It's a war film. Like it. In England. Yeah, yeah. You know, in, yeah. The country, in the countryside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's a great one. Good mm. choice. Ryan, what about you? I think my one was Never Ending Story. Yeah, I forget that. Yeah. Oh, dear, my one, bloody hell. I was going to go along, along the same, long, same, along, along the same lines of Tom in um, Fever Pitch because it's it's the book, the book and all that, and it's Arsenal. It's Arsenal it? Again, it's part of Arsenal, but again, not part of Arsenal, but it's like Arsenal related in the sense of it's, that's what the main things are all about. Yeah, I'd love to meet him, Nick Hornby, because mm. he's all about music as well, isn't he? Obviously, with mm. uh, High Fidelity, the, the the book he did after that, uh, working in a record shop. And, oh, um, and was, it, was that an American film? I think I saw that. With yeah, yeah I think it was an American that. film. It's a, well, they ruined it. Basically, the book's mm. brilliant. The book is that is with it, Jack Black in it. Probably no, don't think so. <laughs> it's a, I thought Jack Black was a very had a very small part in it. I thought it was one of his first. Films. Oh, he might have done. It might have been at the start. Done. Yeah, I'm saying who's in it. Um, the, the actor in it was the same actor, American actor, funny looking bloke. Who was also in? Uh, it's a one word that if something happens, goes. Oh, what's the name of it? Something happens, not sliding doors, but similar to sliding doors. If X would have happened, then what the, your life would oh, have changed. Oh, uh, sort of like one word. Oh. And they and the end of the film are on ice. They're skating on ice. The couple. Mm. Anyway, I can't it's not think. Kevin Klein. It's not Kevin no, Klein, no, was it? No, no, no. He's got a very. Can't think of the name. Of it. Can't not exponential, something like exponential, something like that. Anyway, it comes to me in about it, four years. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think because uh, I'm massive into my music as well. I love mm. love music and uh, obviously just as much as Arsenal, pretty much. 
And uh, so I'd love to have a, a good chat <laughs> with, with Nick Hornby. I think it'd be absolutely amazing. Um, what's the name of the, what's the name of that film? Sorry, High Fidelity. Definitely saw it. I definitely saw it. Sure, yeah. sorry. I, I, I mean, I read the yeah. book. Uh, I don't know if I ever saw the film. I, but it's about yeah. time I watched um, Fever Pitch again, or you know, read Fever Pitch again as well. I've, I've listened to it a couple of times recently uh, on audio book, but you, just, well, you can't get enough of it, really, can you? It's just brilliant. Um, uh, I got the name of the guy, John Kuzak. That's it. Oh, John Kuzak. Yeah, okay. Yes, of course. Of course, yeah. In... Else was in. He was in the, uh, this other film. I'm thinking. Anyway, it's John Cusack. That's the guy I'm thinking of. I know you. Yeah, I could, yeah. No. Mark, Mark also says it. Chuck Black was in it. Was in that. Film. He was in oh, it, was yeah. he? Yeah. yeah Mark so. saying. Yeah. Good, good, he good. must have been very young because uh, it's quite early nineties. Well, it was. I think, I think his film. name was Jack Gray then. How <laughs> 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 young he was. Yeah. Right. Well, that's uh, that's it. That sort of finishes it up. Um. With Mesa Island Discs. So that was, that was really enjoyable. I'm really, really glad uh, we did that tonight. Mm. But yeah, what I wanted to talk to you about, and I sent it to the group chat earlier in WhatsApp, was um, the Dennis Bergkamp interview that um, mm. been reported on today about the prospective takeover. Did you read that uh, article just, that I forwarded? I saw I'd, I'd the already, headline. Yeah, I'd already seen it. On Twitter, I've read it, seen it, and saw it earlier on, like an hour or two beforehand. But yeah, well, it was um, incredibly interesting um, coming from Dennis Bergkamp. Mm. He plays uh, his car so close to his chest. It's a bit mm. strange, it does, it, it yeah. does, and that's it's what that's what makes like me. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm so have, interested. Yeah, I mean, I have uh, James Rowe, who you've all you've all met on my channel, oh, on my channel. Yeah, he, yeah. he says Dennis is so. Ever since he was a child, he's literally been so. He keeps everything to himself. He doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't yeah, yeah. He does not come out outspoken about yeah. anything whatsoever. He has his own that's life, and that's it. Sort of thing. When Dennis speaks, you listen. You know, because mm. he's like, he is a closed book. Uh, he does mm. very, very few interviews, did he? And um, yeah. that is why I find it so interesting. It's out of character, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because that it gives me renewed hope, really. Hmm. Uh, that something might happen because hmm. I would never have it's been true. so positive before reading that. Yeah, and it also it sort of shows that Daniel Eck isn't doing this for publicity. He's actually been because he's now done it hmm. about the top two. Well, it's two bits now. Both been rejected. Yeah. Another bit's gone in since. So he's been yeah. aggressive. He's been aggressive about it. At least, hmm. at least he's, been, he's been more aggressive, more aggressive than Usmanov did. Definitely. And that's saying it's oh, when when he when he. Uh, came out with that um, tweet, you know, after the pretty much being yeah. forced to come out with that tweet saying, yeah, they, so they don't need yeah. the money. I think I could speak for most people when you think, well, that's it then. Because, you know, if I remain interested, if he changes his mind, he knows where I am, basically. Mm-hmm. Worse to that effect, didn't he? Mm. Um, but when, yeah, so when Dennis speaks like that, Hmm. I don't think he would say anything remotely that open. He's got no if reason there was to. A, a big amount of substance to it. Yeah, he's got no reason to, has he? That's the thing. He has nothing to gain from it for making it up. And he's saying it, and he's saying the second bit has happened since this statement. This uh, statement over the weekend came out. So just um, just for those people that may be listening or 
um, you know, watching now that haven't actually seen or, or read what we're talking about here. Um, yeah, Dennis was being in, in, uh, interviewed. Um, and he basically said that, um, uh, just scrolling up, yeah, revealing his Zoom conversations, which made a positive impression and insisted that uh, for Arsenal to compete again at the highest level, it needs to be run first and foremost as a football club, not as a business, which is mm. something I love to hear yeah. as well. Um, last week, Eck revealed he'd been rebuffed by Stan and Josh Cronk. Um, but further efforts have since been made. I understand that in addition to that offer, Daniel has now reached out twice to Josh Cronk and his bankers. I think he misspelt that. Um, <laughs> should have been a W instead of B. <laughs> Josh, no, no. Josh Cronk and his, and his wankers said Bergkamp, who is part of the consortium, along with Thierry and Patrick. Um Whatever Kronk's intentions are, it would be good if we at least had a conversation with each other in the interest of the club. Uh, regardless, Daniel is not a quitter and neither are we football boys. We are here to stay. We do know how the fans feel. We have already had a meeting with the supporter delegation. Mm. We also sense more and more enthusiasm on their side. That is very stimulating on what kind of change they might bring to the Arsenal if, if a takeover was successful. He continued, I'm not looking for a revolution. We really hope that we can talk to the current owners in a good way. We don't want to harm anyone. It's not about us personally. Um, this revolves around our views on an improved Arsenal. As players, we contributed to the transition from being boring Arsenal to a squad called the Invincibles. Thanks to that period, I have... Uh, now been inducted into the Premier League Hall of Fame, which I'm extremely proud of. That's what the interview is about, which I couldn't remember. You're obviously being interviewed about being entered into the Hall of Fame. Mm. The quality, mindset and passion of that time must once again become the norm. Thierry, Patrick and I have ideas about that, which fits perfectly with Daniel X's plans. Uh, there was implied criticism of the current ownership as Bergkamp sees a change at the top as fundamental to any change kind of restoration of Arsenal's stature. An acquisition is crucial, he said, so that Arsenal can un continue with an owner who understands that a football club should not be run like a company. No mm. matter how much money is involved with English football, Arsenal is and will remain a football club, which is how it must be managed at all levels of the club. As mm. for what kind of roles he, Vieira and uh, Henri might have. There was some reluctance to go into specifics. We have plenty of ideas about the technical details, but it makes little sense to talk about them now. First, Daniel has to come to a takeover. After that, it would make sense to use the knowledge we have gained during and after our careers. We are ready, and so is Daniel. And that was on Ask Blog today. Um, so thanks to him for that. So I, I just think that that's a really, really bold statement from, mm. from Bergkamp. To, uh, I, there must be some big substance to it. There must be. Mm. And it just gives me a lot more hope, basically. Mm. I, I can't see how you wouldn't be quite just, excited about that, really. Yeah, well, is, that, is that Melvin's is about to say? I know he's going to say it. We've, it's the, the man that's got to, he's got the man that owns it, it's got to be wanting to sell. And we've got to somehow convince him to sell. <laughs> but. I, do you think he would have been as, as speaking quite as openly and as positively if he didn't think that there would be a chance, though? Well, I think it's, I think it's all right. 
I think it's public knowledge, sorry, that uh, there's a poach has been planned, isn't there, this Sunday, two hours before kickoff. So they, they mm. want to get the fans on board and sort of, look, guys, we're doing our best, but we need, we need a bit of help from you. You need to put, help us put pressure on as well. If you, if you really want this now, you need to do your bit. And this is our last, for a fan's perspective, this is the last chance alone for this season that we have a chance to make putting some pressure on Stan and showing them that no matter what they do, what war chest that apparently exists and this, that and the other, no matter what debts they wipe out of, out of nowhere, because they apparently can do that now, put their own money and wipe debts out apparently, no matter what you're doing now, enough, you, you, broke, you, broke, you broke and burnt too many bridges with this fan base that we will never trust you, we will never forgive you. The, the most, the most important thing is you you use the club's the, everything the club stands for the badge, the name of the the name of it stands for everything it stands for the whole history of this club. For you threw it under the bus a month ago for a bit more money, hmm. and you're not going to be forgiven. And I, I'm not I'm not a stupid man. I know that they've got to get him to sell. But hmm. what I am encouraged by is that he is a very, very quiet man and very, you know, closed, closed book, like we said. Mm. He, he doesn't come out and say things often. So Ever. by saying that, I it, it just gives me a lot more hope than I did have anyway, that something is in this and it could really happen at some point sooner rather than later as well. And we fans really need to just not let this die a death these protests we've just got to keep our voices being heard haven't we i i don't know i I just listen i want to be wrong i want to be completely wrong because i don't think the fans will make the slightest difference in that i don't think i think they might antagonize the owner that won't make himself believe it we're not big enough or strong enough to make any impact on that guy not four thousand of us or six thousand of us or whatever it is I hope I'm wrong. The only, as you say, Andrew, Dennis Burkamp never says anything, ever. No. So mm. perhaps he knows just a little bit more than we know. Hopefully that's, he does. Perhaps exactly he's got a little it. bit of, bit of. Um, well, no, that's not the right price. Come and see us at a higher price, and we mm. then we might talk about the right price. I mean, perhaps he's had some encouragement that we don't know about. But that's if, it. But I'm only hoping that is the case, because otherwise it's just going to, we'll just be treading water. And we'd be getting like we normally do with the Arsenal, get our hopes up. He holds, like I said the other day, he holds all the cards, Cronky. He holds all the cards, he holds the table and the chairs around it as well. So it's got to be a reason for him to do it. Hopefully he wants to do it. Hopefully he realises there's other people that can put this club in a much better position than he can. Even if he comes up with the money, right? He comes up with some with all the money. You know he hasn't got the people there to spend the money correctly. We want people in to spend the money correctly anyway. And get the right staff in against everything, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, you know, you can, you might get, if you get uh, the, these three guys in, these fantastic footballers in, who obviously, are, uh, you know, will be great for the club, the heart's in the right place as well. Mm. They might be doing a deal to get, you know, let's talk a fantasy land here, get over miles in with all his knowledge. Mm. Right, let's, yeah. let's be silly and go for it, shall we? Because that, that could and might happen. I, hope, I don't mm. think it will, and I hope I'm wrong. And I'll be mm. the happiest man in the world if I'm wrong. We'll bring also bring bring Freddie back and get him back in <clears throat> get back in coach of the youth. I think yeah. he's very unlike. I think he was treated badly, Freddie. Oh no, but I'm saying with, with new me- was terrible, with, yeah, but I'm, I'm what I'm saying is shocking what they've done with him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. With, if this lot were to 
piss off basically. And obviously Daniel Ecke and Burkamp on Riviera come in and a whole new structure was put in place. The right people brought in. Longburg may be persuaded. Just like give us give us a year at least to show it show you that we this it's, this will be different this time. We will actually show you the respect you deserve. We'll, you'll get the chances you want. Course, you course. Know, and, and, and even Tony Adams as well. Bring Tony Adams back into the as an about a club ambassador or something. Yeah, all we want, Ryan, is football decisions made by football people. That's all we're asking. Mm. Not much. That's all we're yeah, asking. Exactly. I mean, Freddie Jungberg could be a great assistant manager, a proper mm. assistant manager, because he's he's actually had a small taste of management as well. Yeah, and um, knows the pressure involved, and he knows that he. You have to challenge the manager on occasions. Uh, but his decision, yes, no that's a good point. That's a very good Arteta. point because I don't believe any of Arteta's people no. challenge him. Not what I've seen. No chance. And that's a big problem I brought up the other week. I don't think that happens. And that's no, no good. chance. When you take around all your mates around to all the different clubs you go to, that's not, um, I don't think that's a healthy situation. No. Right? I don't never. think that's it. Okay? can never be a healthy situation. I think, as I say, I'm going back on it again. I think Freddie was treated so badly. But yeah, he was. He'd done them a favour. Yes, he wanted to do it, but he'd done them a favour. Then they got someone else before before the paint had dried mm. and, and, and they got, got rid of him. Sorry. He was a true legend yeah. in the Invincibles. Yeah. Right? He and gave doubles, 100% yeah. on the field. He's an yeah. intelligent guy. You listen to him speak. He's got arms. He's a lovely heart. bloke and all. Yeah, you know, he's got, and he's got a little bit of. I think he's got a little bit of nastiness in him as well, which I yeah, don't there's like. a, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I just, a, I, Melvin, I'll Melvin, him. I'll yeah. him before I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, Melvin, well, I was saying, I was, since it ha- obviously Arteta's coming in, I've been saying from, from day dot that literally the way that the drunk, the Cron, Josh Cronkin, and the rest of that lot treated F- Freddie in that period when they needed him. Let's be honest, they needed him more than he needed them. And they treated yeah. him like dirt. They, he had a decent job, didn't the, he? And the, yeah, from the first second, it was because the, 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 the media were asking if he does, because obviously, oh, they got us fresh and he'd done what he'd done a year before uh, after taking over from the media. And the questions were coming from to the conquerors oh, if, if, well, if he does what he Ollie does and gets things going and you get the top. Oh, no, but I'm just saying, these are, these are the questions that the media are asking. If if he was to turn things around and get you into, guys into top four or get you in a decent position in the league, for example, would he have a chance of having a job full-time? And they said, the response was every time, basically no. And, he, he, and he how, had to, he had to like then, the kid, and man, then had to and gut you. Yeah, and per Matasaka as well. They didn't even give just, him a coaching don't. setup. They never gave him a coaching setup of his own want, wanting, basically. A doctor yeah, not, was 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 a, was um, out there doing assistant. the warm-ups. Yeah, the club doctor. Yes, yeah, club doctor. <laughs> he says it all, and and to rub, to rub salt in the wound, you do, you basically told him that he's not got a chance at all, no matter what he does. So then the players are like, "Why well, should we bother?" Basically, so that's why we never saw an upturn in results there. And then to then hire someone who's less experienced than him. Let's be honest, but he's got some experience behind him. Someone less experienced, Derek. and you're then asked to be his right, uh, not right hand man, but one of his assistants. Of course, you're going to be pissed. Yeah. It's, it's sort of six months out, and thought, fuck this. I'm not having it. Bye bye. I um, 
I still, what you said, Melvin, I would have been happy to have kept him for yeah. the season and see how it got on. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, what he, he has, he's got, a, at that point, he had more experience than Arteta did. It's only because Especially Arteta the was sitting next to Pep. Hmm. Exactly. And he'd managed the, he managed the team and put the team out every week. Arteta had never done that. I know it was only the under-23s. Mm. And also, but at Andrew, least he'd done it. Exactly. And also, and it, he hadn't played with any of these players like Alteta did. And that's yeah. sometimes yeah. not a great thing. Right? Everything so he said he a lot was, of boxes, was true. Ready? Mm. a lot of boxes. Yeah. Oh, loads of boxes. And again, also working with the under-23s, sorry. Lots of Saka, Smith, Rowe, and coming, yeah. coming through. They all loved him. Because he showed them... They they respected from what he from what he was as a player, but he also he took the time out of his own out of his own time away from the training pitch to advise them where they're going wrong and help them out and actually improve them as a player. They loved him. They you could tell it was genuine when they walked off the pitch. They hugged him, mm. and and everything that he said when he left, all the problems and everything, mm. everything was spot on, absolutely yeah. true. He even got he even got he even got uh, a, a, um, a song out of Pepe, didn't he? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, against West Ham. A great game against West Ham. That's it, yeah. But um, anyway, yeah, yeah, I'd love to have him back in the club. It was it, it was really sad mm. when he yeah. left. It was really sad, mm. and I'm I can't believe I'm, he's I'm, not I'm got another yeah. job so, yet. Yeah. But I think he's hang, I think he was hoping to hang around. Hopefully. This sort of hit the ownership wise would piss off. I was trying to be gone and he'd come back and start again, sort of thing. Maybe because uh, again, uh, it would have been so again, like you said, Freddie he is more toned to our fan base because we love him because he did as a player. But as you said, he never he doesn't play, but he never played with any of these kind of players. So I mean, it, it was easy for him just to go, You're not playing piss off, you're not going to yeah, 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 nothing, nothing. There was no nothing there. He owed there's, them nothing. There's no problem. You know, no, he couldn't, yeah. He, he, yeah, exactly. He, he couldn't be accused of bias. Nothing. No. He, comes he would be to brilliant it. to bring through those under 23s and, and you know, the Hayley graduates. And you could tell there was a style there. He was trying to, it, 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 there was even a style there. And what I wanted was the, was the Cronkies and the club to actually give him a, give him that chance, give him the stuff that he, give him the start, some backroom staff that he wanted and needed. You never know. Things would have maybe got better. Maybe throughout that season, things could, things we could have finished a bit higher. Maybe. I think, maybe not. I think we could. You don't know. We don't, we don't know now because they they took away that chance straight from the off by treating him like a piece of dirt on the dirt piece of the back of their shoe. I don't think he would have been any worse at all than no. the, the way we have been. I think he he could have been better. But, if there, was anything, a, but, but there was always. There was I really always, do. I think from the Knights game, from the I mean the first time he came in, he took over as in turn. You could see there was a way Freddie wanted to play as well. Oh, absolutely. Was like, well, I'm sorry, it was it's more exciting. In a few games that he, he was in charge, the football was more exciting than what we've ever we've ever seen under Arteta. With all due respect. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Mark said um, in the chat their thoughts on the 120 million Bank of England loan yeah. being paid by another loan. I, that, that's not <laughs> been the case. I mean, I'm not going to go into it for a start, but ev- I've read everything I've read. They, they, there is no um, concrete evidence that they're taking out any other finance to pay it off with at the moment. I, I, but that, so that's the reason. If if it turns out that they have. Then we, it's another story, and we can yeah, pick it up a, on another show. But yeah, there's a whole other at the moment. Soon. At the moment, we don't know whether they've paid it off, 
Whether they've refinanced it somewhere else, I don't know. So I'm, I'm not going to go down that route at the moment. We're still, Mark, but... no. We're beginning of next season. If um, the East Stand ain't there next season, we know something's not right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or well, the no. roof, or the lead or the off the roof. Yeah, yeah the clock's gone. Yeah. The clock's yeah, the all, all the lead's been stripped. Yeah. Off the roof. So. <laughs> the Arsenal badges have actually disappeared off the stadium as well. The legends yeah. around the stadium have all disappeared. That that. Things that have all disappeared. It's just bare minimum. We know something's not right. Anyway, I'm going to leave it there. Let's just keep our fingers crossed for this takeover bid because I'm a lot more encouraged now after that mm. um, statement today by Bergkamp. Mm. Um, let's hope we're walking in another Bergkamp wonderland <laughs> fairly soon. <laughs> but uh, guys, it's, I've really enjoyed tonight. I don't know about mm. you, but I think it's been yeah. brilliant. Um Thank you very much for coming on, um, both of you. Oh, well, just, Melvin, we need to sing a song. <laughs> What's that? To the, little gen- to the gentleman down below us on the screen. It's his birthday. It's his birthday. Oh, I thought you wanted me to sing One. Why? <laughs> One, oh, sorry. two, three. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Happy birthday, Yeah, not too, not too bad considering. Obviously, for first one in two years outside of lockdown. Way. Fantastic. Yes. Oh. Yes. But I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I hope you had a good day anyway. And thanks for yeah. coming on, both of you. Yeah, um, you what have you got coming up on your channel, Ryan? Uh, I'm trying to think. Saturday, I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm hoping to do a podcast on Saturday, sort of get ready for the Brighton game on Sunday, do the Brighton, and then obviously watch along on Sunday for clock kickoff. So go live about half three ish, maybe a bit earlier, depending on what's going on at the Emirates within what the plan projects and all that. Um, and then from them, I'm thinking of doing something else as well. I'll talk to, I'll talk to you guys off, off air about it. That's an idea I've had. End of season thing for. And then the Euros, basically. Look forward to getting ready for the Euros. Yep. Yep. Um, I mean, I'll probably, I'll end up watching it. I know I will, but I mean, I've, I've not really been interested in England since probably going back to the days of Glen Oddle. Terry Venables and then Glenn mm. Oddle and then I don't know. Oh yeah, hardly been ever England. been any Arsenal players playing for England, has mm. there? I mean, it's no. just... anyway. No. But yeah, that sounds good. Um, we'll have a chat then off air. And thank you, Melvin, for coming on. Um, oh, thanks for asking me. It's brilliant. Really enjoyed it. Mm. Really good. I like the format. It's very good. Yeah, um, we've got. Um, I'm going to getting a lot more people coming on to to do it as well especially during the summer mm. um whilst there's no arsenal to talk about on the pitch but thank you to shane gary mark um everyone that's been in the in the chat tonight it's been fantastic hope you've all enjoyed it and uh look forward to seeing you all again very soon and, and tom don't forget tom don't forget, don't forget yeah tom. tom was i mean tom was fantastic honestly one of the best guests um, we've had in, in a long time, uh, outside our normal circle, shall I say, mm. obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I, I enjoyed every minute that he was on. It was brilliant. A uh, really passionate Arsenal fan. And uh, yeah, so once again, thank you to everyone. Please give us a like before you go. If you haven't subscribed already, please do. And if you listen to the 
uh, audio version of the podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever you listen to, please give us a five-star review. And once mm. again, thank you, and come on, you gunners. Let's go. Thank you for listening to From Dial Square to Air. Please help us grow by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and following the show on your preferred podcast platform. Please also visit our Facebook page, our Twitch channel and of course our YouTube channel, and whilst you are there, please subscribe and hit the notification button so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Please also press the like button on the video so we can get recommended by YouTube to other Arsenal fans all around the world. See you soon. Thank you.